Thank you for listening to our midweek service from Christian Ministry Church. We're praying that this message blesses, encourages, and equips you to build the kingdom of God. And now for our featured speaker, Chloe Davis. Well, welcome to Christian Ministries Church. If I don't know you, my name is Chloe, and I am on staff here, and I am so excited to be sharing the word with you tonight. Uh, tonight, we are going to be talking about Jehovah's Sit Canoe. I've had many people ask me, how do you pronounce this one? It's Sit Canoe, Jehovah's Sit Canoe, the Lord Our Righteousness. So this summer, we've been going through a series talking about the names of God, and tonight, we're going to be talking about Jehovah Sit Canoe the Lord our righteousness. So Jehovah's Canoe, this is what it means, the Lord our righteousness. If you walk out of this room and you know what Jehovah's Canoe means, I've, I've done a good job. Uh, so Canoe means our righteousness. Uh, it's found in two different verses in scripture, both of them being in the book of Jeremiah. So if you'd like to turn to the book of Jeremiah with me, you can, we'll be in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 23. So the first time that it appears, is in Jeremiah chapter 23. And uh, when it appears, God is actually rebuking the leaders of his people because the Israelites had, once again, no surprise, turned from God and followed their own desires. The Lord actually says that the leaders of his people have destroyed and scattered the ones they were expected to care for. And so this is what's happening in this passage. The Lord then says, that he's going to gather a remnant of his flock together and that they will be fruitful and he's going to appoint shepherds to care for them. So then we see in verse five of again, Jeremiah chapter 23, the Lord says, for the time is coming when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. And this will be his name. The Lord is our righteousness. In that day, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. So this is where we first see the name Jehovah Sitkanu, the Lord our righteousness. This is when it is first revealed to us. The second time that we see this name is also in the book of Jeremiah and it's in chapter 33, verse 15. And the Lord says almost word for word, verbatim, what he said in chapter 23. But there's a little bit of a difference here, so I'm gonna read it for you. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 15. In those days and at that time, I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. In that day, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this will be its name. The Lord is our righteousness. He continues in verse 17. David will have a descendant sitting on the throne of Israel forever. Of course, now we know uh, that under the new covenant, this descendant that's being talked about right here in Jeremiah is to be Jesus. Um, we recognize that Jesus is Jehovah's sick canoe, the Lord, our righteousness. This is, Jesus was the fulfillment of, of this covenant that takes place right here. Although Israel had sinned, they had separated themselves from God. Um, we also see in Jeremiah chapter four, verse 22, that his people literally did not know him. God says, my people do not know me. Uh, the Lord did not forget the covenant that he made with them. So even though they had separated themselves, even though they had distanced themselves from him, even though we see in Jeremiah 4 that they literally did not know him, God did not forget the covenant that he made with his people. Now, God made lots of covenants with his people, but here the Lord is referencing and reminding his people of what they call, or in theological terms, what we call the Davidic covenant, the Davidic covenant that he made with them. 
that God would raise up a descendant from David's line, so from his ancestral line, whose throne and kingdom would then last forever. We don't have time to go there, uh, but you can read more about the initial giving of this covenant in 2 Samuel chapter 7. This is an an unconditional covenant. And what that means is that God did not give give any conditions of obedience in order for this covenant to be fulfilled. It was an unconditional covenant. The promise of Jehovah's sick canoe, the Lord our righteousness, the Messiah, rested solely on God's faithfulness and did not depend at all on David or Israel's obedience. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) I cannot imagine, and I was thinking about this as I was prepping for tonight, cannot imagine the life that we would live now if God raising up a righteous descendant whose name would be the Lord our righteousness uh, depended on us and our obedience. Uh, What's fascinating though, is that even though this was an unconditional promise from God, once the Lord our righteousness, the Messiah shows up on the scene, sacrifices himself so that we may be right with God through Christ, the people of Israel still think for some reason that they can make themselves right with God by obeying the law. So this year, we've been talking about what it looks to live life by faith, what it looks to live by faith. And as I've been prepping for tonight, I felt like the Lord wanted to return us to the newness of the beginning of our faith. I know that will probably be easier for me than for some of you. Some of you have been believers longer than I've been alive. Um, But I want us to remember the moment that we first believed in our hearts that we were made right with God. The Lord, our righteousness, he made a way where there was no other way. And because of his sacrifice, we are made right with God. I don't ever want to get over the overwhelming sense of gratitude that I feel and that I experience when I remember that because of the sacrifice of Jesus, I am made right with God. Hebrews 3.14, it says, for if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. We need to be reminded more than we need to be instructed church because we need to be challenged to trust God just as firmly as we did when we first believed. And tonight we need to be reminded that he is Jehovah's sick canoe, the Lord our righteousness. Now, there are two extremes uh, that we can fall into as we talk about him being our righteousness. We can either be like the people of Israel under the new covenant who try to make themselves right by obeying the law, or we can believe that he is our righteousness, but be led into wrong thinking uh, that we no longer have to live righteously. Okay, so we've got two extremes. We wanna be right sitting pretty in the middle, okay? Let's talk about the first of these two, trying to make ourselves right by obeying the law. Before we get too much into this, uh, we're going to read some passages from Romans. And as we read these passages, we need to know that Paul is speaking of the Mosaic Law. So I'm about to give you some background context here. All the laws uh, found in the first five, books of, uh, first five books of the Old Testament, that's what, what is considered the Mosaic Law. Now in the Mosaic Law, first five books, there are over 600 individual commandments in the Mosaic Law and to break only one of them would have made a person guilty. The Israelites, they were very accustomed to following the law, which is why there's so much discussion about it in the New Testament epistles. But the reality is, the Israelites had grown up that way. They had grown up following the Mosaic law. For hundreds of years, their ancestors had followed Mosaic law, so that's what they did too. It was custom, it's what they knew. 
The Jewish people under the new covenant had difficulty recognizing Jehovah's Sitkanu, that he was their righteousness. We don't necessarily follow Mosaic law anymore. Thank you, Lord. Uh, But when we're familiar with his word, as I'm sure many of us are, we know how we're supposed to live our lives. We're supposed to live our lives righteously. So what happens when we find it difficult to live as we know that we're called to? We grasp at the law. In Romans 9, Paul writes about how the people of Israel were chosen to be God's adopted children. But now the Gentiles get to be grafted into the family of God. Thank you, Lord, because I'm not... Jewish. Uh, There's some Old Testament passages that speak of the Gentiles in Israel, and then Paul writes in verse 32, so we're in Romans chapter 9, verse 30. What does all of this mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God, and it was by faith that this took place. But the people of Israel, who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law, by keeping those 600 commandments that we just talked about, they never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting in him. They stumbled over the great rock in their path. Now, the great rock that the people of Israel stumbled over was the law. That was the great rock in their path. They were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting in him. In an effort to move past the addiction to tame our tongue, to control our emotions, because, and this is the, this is the thought that we have when we're, when we're humble enough to admit it, because I should have gotten over this by now, have we grasped onto the law and forgotten about the Lord our righteousness? That religious spirit, it will creep in and we'll all of a sudden find ourselves so focused on fixing the behavior on the outside of us that we forget that the Lord our righteousness, he has made us righteous and we've been cleansed from the inside out. At the end of John chapter 20, Thomas finally believes that Jesus has resurrected. And in response to his belief, Jesus says, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Even if we miss the mark, even if we mess it up, even though we have no evidence of the breakthrough yet, will we choose to believe that he is the Lord our righteousness? We will be blessed when we believe him because of who he says that he is, not because we've seen him move. We can believe because we've seen him move or because we've seen him, but blessed are those who believe even when they haven't seen yet. When we walk close enough with him to recognize the reality of who he is because of what he says about himself in his word, like him telling us that he is Jehovah's Canoe, the Lord our righteousness, We'll stop looking for external things like the law to reinforce our belief system that we are righteous. The reality is this, we know that we were made to be righteous. But when we are not walking in righteousness and we are not resting in the righteousness that his blood paid for, we grasp at the law. We know we're called to be righteous. We as believers need to stand guard and continually examine and make sure that we haven't reached for the law rather than the hem of his garment to cleanse us. Have we looked at someone and thought, at least I'm not doing that? We need Jehovah's sick canoe, the Lord our righteousness, to remind us that it is only by his righteousness that we could ever be made right before God. 
You see, the one who claims to be righteous by following the law is just as far from God as the one who doesn't live righteously because they've recognized who they're supposed to be, but they're trying to do everything in their own effort to get there. Romans 3 gives us the purpose of the law. We're going to go there. Romans 3, verse 20. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. No one can be made right with God by doing what the law commands. It's what that passage says. If we restlessly strive for obedience to his word without believing that it is by the blood of Jesus that we have been made right with God, we have made ourselves a slave to religion and called it loving God. The purpose of the law. For example, the purpose of the book of Leviticus with all of its Levitical law, and you read through Leviticus and you're like, wow, that's a lot. A lot of Levitical law right there. It's to show us, though, that we can never be made right before God on our own. In fact, Galatians chapter 2, verse 21, man, I love this verse. It says, if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. If keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. My life proclaims there was no need for Christ to die when I grasp the law to try to make me righteous when I focus more on me, my outward behavior than the identity of who Christ says that I am under the new covenant, which is righteous, not because of anything that I did, but because he is the Lord and he is the Lord, our righteousness. He is Jehovah's sick canoe. When I come in here and I worship, no one's got to ask me to worship to encourage me to lift my hands, to ask me to praise the King of kings and the Lord of lords because I know that I'm righteous. I know what his blood has done for me and it's cleansed me. Man, it's changed me. It's transformed me. He deserves everything that I am, all the praise, all of the honor, all of the glory. He gets everything, not because of anything that I did, but because he is the Lord, our righteousness. Now let's look at the second extreme we can fall into. I no longer have to live righteously because he's my righteousness. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. God does not lower his standard. Through Christ, we become right with God. So through him, we rise to his standard. He is our righteousness. There is no way on my own that I could be made right with God. And y'all will probably hear me say that about 20 times tonight because of just the truth of it. But the Lord is our righteousness, which gives us the freedom and the ability to live righteously. Him being my righteousness, it does not give me allowance to live however I want to live. Rather, him being my righteousness, what it enables me to do is to live righteously. It's both and. He is my righteousness, but as a result of him being my righteousness, I live righteously. It's both and. He is my righteousness, but because he is my righteousness, I live righteously. Romans chapter 6, verse 16. 
It says, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. You have become slaves to righteous living. When I believe in the deep places of who I am, that I am made right with God, I will live righteously. Not out of striving, not out of a place of trying to make myself righteous, but because I recognize that he is my righteousness. I remember going into youth group six years ago. If I don't know you, I'm 24, I'm, I'm young, um, and I came to youth group my senior year of high school uh, over one of these buildings. <laughs> I came to youth group here, um, and the Lord absolutely changed my life. Uh, and I remember walking to the youth group. I was shy, and I was introverted, and I was the girl that stood in the back in a corner of the room. That's where I want to be. That's where you will find me. And I recall the numerous people who laid hands on me and they prophetically spoke over my life that I would burn bright and that I would speak of Jesus everywhere that I went. And you know what happened over a matter of months? That shy, introverted girl had half of her cheer squad come into youth group. A matter of years later, I'm discipling young women on my college campus and I'm here <laughs> doing this. Like, you've gotta be kidding me. This is the reality of the gospel. Didn't happen because I forced myself to talk to people. I can't, I can't force myself to talk to people. If I don't talk to you, if I don't initiate, I'm really sorry, I'm working on it, okay? The Lord's doing a work in me. Uh, but it happened because the lie in that young girl's head was that I had nothing to offer and it was replaced with a truth that pierced the deepest part of who I am that everyone should know about Jesus. And if I've gotta be the one to tell them, I'm gonna be the one to tell them. The truth conquered every lie that the enemy had spoken over my life to try to keep me silent about the Lord. And there was a day when I said, no more, no more. Those lies will not hold me bound. And this right here is the point. We don't become righteous by willing ourselves into it. We become righteous by believing in the deepest parts of who we are, that he is our righteousness. The root issue, it is not the behavior. The root issue is the lie that we have believed about who we are, which is creating our behavior. Now we're stuck in the cycle of, I wanna quit doing this, I wanna change this about myself, I wanna start doing this, I need to change these things. But he is our righteousness, and him making us righteous is not dependent upon our behavior. Sin, it may be what we do, but righteous is who we are because he is our righteousness. We are not our own righteousness. We'll never get it right by willpower. When we find ourselves caught up in our behavior, consumed with our behavior, we must return to believing in our hearts that we are made right with God. Over time, as we believe that we have been made right with God, we will no longer participate in anything that competes with who we know that we are because of his righteousness. Think about it. Who do you know that you are? Will you compete? Will you participate with anything that competes with who you know that you are? 
Will you? Who you know in the deep places of who you are. Will you, will you do anything that competes with that? Over time, as we believe that we have been made right with God, we will no longer participate in anything that competes with who we know that we are because of his righteousness. If I know in the deep place of who I am that I am righteous, I will say, get away from me anything that may lead to unrighteousness. Get away from me, temptation. I don't want no part with you because I know in the deep place of who I am that I am righteous. 1 John chapter 2, verse 29. Since we know that Christ is righteous, we also know that all who do what is right are God's children. By being our righteousness, the Lord has identified us with himself because those who do right are God's children. I have a desire to want to do right because I want to be identified with him. I want to be recognized as a child of God by the way that I live my life. I recognize that I'm righteous because he is my righteousness, but that's what stirs my heart to want to do right. The Lord, our righteousness, is the foundation that leads us to live righteously in a way that is worthy to be identified with him. You can't be righteous without recognizing that he's your righteousness. You must know that he is your righteousness first and then lean into righteous living. If I tell myself that I am shameful, and if I allow the enemy to put guilt on me, if I tell myself that I'm dirty, that I'm not worth anything, I will always run back to the thing that makes me feel that way because I don't think of myself as anything more than shameful and guilty and dirty, whatever it may be. Soon enough, I won't identify myself as a child of God because I'm tired of feeling shameful and guilty and dirty. We must believe what God's word has to say about us even if we don't see it in ourselves. When I was in high school, I remember Josh teaching us about the difference between condemnation and conviction, and it stuck with me all these years, uh, set me free um, from a lot. Condemnation makes you feel guilty. Uh, it makes you feel shameful. It fills you with regret when you mess up. On the other hand, the gift of conviction reminds you that's not who you are. And so when I know that I'm righteous, and uh, I'm tempted with something, the Holy Spirit comes in the gift of conviction and he reminds me, that's not who you are. It's not like, don't do that, stay away from that. And it can, it can look like that, but it comes in a voice of, that's not who you are. You know that's not who you are. You know that's not who you want to be. You don't identify with that any longer. Jehovah's Sitkanu, the Lord our righteousness, not only speaks of him, but it speaks of me because he is my righteousness, the Lord our righteousness. And because I know that he is my righteousness and I am made right before God thanks to the blood of Jesus, if I miss the mark, I'm reminded that that's not who I am. His righteousness is now my identity. It has to be my identity because it's what the word of God says. This is of the utmost importance for us to comprehend because 1 John, this is important. If you're taking notes, write this one down. 1 John chapter 3, verse 21. 1 John chapter 3, verse 21, it says that if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. If we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence. I don't have to feel guilty because he's my righteousness, so I can always go to God with bold confidence. Even if I do miss the mark, even if I do mess up, I can still go to God with bold confidence because he is Jehovah's sick canoe and my righteousness is not dependent upon my work. 
It's dependent upon his finished work. The next verse in 1 John chapter 3, it says that we will receive whatever we ask from him because we obey him and do the things that please him. And the reality is this, in bold confidence, going face to face with Jesus, seeking his face, pursuing him, in bold confidence, we will receive what we strive for so long to get. Do you want freedom in this place? Do you want healing in this place? Are there things that you're struggling with that you've been struggling with for years? Jehovah's Sidkenu, he is your righteousness. And in bold confidence, you can go to him in a way that you're striving and you're reaching and you're grasping. It will, it will never get you what your heart longs for. Jehovah's Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness, he enables us to live in bold confidence. And when you have the freedom to always go to him because you know in the deep places of who you are that you are righteous, eventually he will be all that you want and all that you ask for. Jehovah's Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness, he is the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. The reason why we have been made right before God and can now go to him in bold confidence. He fulfilled the Mosaic law, so we're no longer bound to it. Thank you, Lord. I did not want to have to follow those 600 laws. And his righteousness enables us to live righteously. Jehovah's Sidkenu means the Lord our righteousness. Please don't forget it. Don't walk out of here and not know what we talked about tonight. This name literally tells us that his righteousness has become ours. Thank you, Lord. Let us live worthy of being identified as his children as we rest in who he is as our righteousness. Stay with me, church. Lord, we love you, and we just thank you for who you are tonight. We thank you that you are Jehovah's sick canoe, our righteousness. And so, Lord, we, we look to you as our righteousness tonight. Lord, forgive us if we have grasped for the law and we have forgotten that all we have to do is rest and depend on your finished work. Lord, forgive us if we have held on to your righteousness and said that we didn't have to live righteously. Lord, we're committing ourselves to you tonight that we want to live righteous so that we can be identified as your children. God, I thank you for your blood. I thank you for the blood of Jesus that was poured so that I can come to you in bold confidence, always. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, God, for the work that you do. Thank you, God, for, what, for who you are, Lord, for you being our righteousness. We trust in your righteousness. We depend on your righteousness. We lean into and rest in your righteousness tonight, Lord. We can't do it on our own. We love you, Abba, and we proclaim these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.